For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Number five, UNC beat Oklahoma last night, men's basketball. Uh, that is a big win for a bunch of different reasons. Um, one, it, it did feel like UNC this year needed to get that kind of big win, um, big establishing, hey, we're back, we've lost a couple in a row, UConn, Kentucky, now what do we need? And they got it. Number seven, Oklahoma handed them their first loss. Here's Hubert Davis on the defensive effort against the Sooners. I thought we were really good defensively. You know, one thing that Oklahoma is, is great at is getting consistent points in the paint, whether it's post, penetration, offensive rebounds. So it was a huge emphasis on us uh, when they ran their action, which was mostly ball screens to be, you know, protect the paint. And I thought that that is what allowed us to get some steals and deflections and create 18 turnovers. I just, I, I do, I think, uh, the first half, and overall, defensively, I think that was our best effort of the season. Overall, defensively, best effort of the season. This is about that time, okay? Start to get into late December. The, the, the calendar starts changing over. It's time for your team to start putting together things like their best defensive effort of the season, right? The, the thinking has to stop, and the reacting has to begin. You have to start getting into a rhythm. You have to start uh, knowing where your defense and your opponents and, or sorry, your teammates are going to be. Like, that's just what has to happen. And that goes for against good opponents and bad opponents, right? It's the time of year where you start, like, it, it, if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, there's, there's, it happens in every sport, right? You get about a third of the way through the season and you finally have to start adjusting your actual expectations. Right? If you had a team you thought was going to be really good, they're two weeks in and they haven't looked really good yet, you're going like, ah, oh, that's fine. It's still early. Ah, oh, it's fine. No, oh, it's fine. Three weeks in, no, oh, it's fine. A month in, no, oh, it's fine. Then all of a sudden, you get a little bit further than that. And it's like, well, you better start showing me something. Right? You better start showing me that you know what you're doing, like things are going on. And uh, like best defensive efforts of the season are a good way to do that. Shots aren't always going to fall. Defense travels. Right? Defense Effort, rebounding, those are things that should be consistent by this point in the season, and, and North Carolina's showing that. Even in games they've lost, I think they've played well defensively for portions. I think they've rebounded, uh, eh, but, but that should be the next thing to come. And shout-out to R.J. Davis. You're playing like an All-American. I just feel like we have to say that every time we talk about UNC. If he's going to keep playing that well, if he's going to be averaging you know over 25, then, then we're just going to have to mention, like, Hey, he's playing like an All-American. Remember little old me yesterday saying Harrison Ingram was the best player on North Carolina's team? And then R.J. RJ Davis just coming back and reannouncing his presence. Well, the thing is, I, I don't – Harrison Ingram, no, he's not the best player on that team. Maybe the most dynamic player. He's, in, he's important. He's very, very, very important. Uh, and, and his size brings something. His energy brings something. Like, I'm not disrespecting Harrison Ingram at all. It's just, you know, sports are a production-based business, and right now 
RJ Davis is producing at a higher level than anyone else on that roster. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I mean, you have to say you got a two time first team, all ACC guy on the roster. You got Harrison Ingram, who's playing great and being dynamic. RJ Davis is the best player on that roster right now, based on how he's been producing over the last two, three weeks, however long it's been. Uh, that's number five. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! UNC rival Duke beat Baylor. There was a little bit of anything you can do, I can do better, right? You watch ESPN, you watch Duke beat the number 10 team in the country. Everyone's like, whoa. And then, like, you know, two hours later, you're watching UNC finish off the number seven team in the country. And it's anything you can do, I can do better. I shouldn't sing on air. Uh, it was also a big win for John Shire himself. John Shire, in his second year as the head coach for the Duke Blue Devils, signed the extension in the offseason. He's been recruiting like a madman, has another big recruiting class coming up next year. But that was his first win over a top 10 opponent as head coach. You could also argue it was Duke's first signature win this of, season. Of this year, for sure. Of this year, for sure. And it was in Madison Square Garden. And it was against a good team like Baylor. And it had uh, the, the makings of a high-energy game. And here's John Shire on the honor it was to play in MSG against Baylor. What an honor to play in MSG. You know, this has been a special place for us, especially to play right before Christmas, this kind of game. It's, it's going to be hard to do it going forward depending on the ACC schedule, but uh, just seeing the crowd show up and all the Duke fans in New York, uh, what a special thing. Like for these guys, I know they love playing in it. It's great coaching in it. And to play a team like Baylor, uh, to get tested by a team who really had coming in uh, top five offense in the country, you know, best three-point shooting team, top five offensive rebounding team. And obviously they have a great culture. They've been a winning program. So it was an honor for us to play them. An honor, an honor, and you know what? And also you won. <laughs> I don't know if it would be as big of an honor if you lost, right? It's an honor because you won and you lived up to the legacy. And there were some weird similarities. This is going to happen with John Shire because uh, he played so recently for Duke. But the last time that Duke had played Baylor, I believe was in the – it was either in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight of the year that – uh, one of the years John Shire was playing. Yeah, back in 2010. It was, it was the championship right? year, right? Yeah. Uh, and the score was tied 61-61, and then Duke went on an 11-1 run and kind of put it away from there. Last night, it was 61-61, and then Duke went on. I think it was actually more than an 11-1. It was like a 12 or 13-1 to run, but they put it away. And th those kind of weird similarities, those glitches in the matrix, there, you can't explain them. You cannot explain them. But it's still a big win for Duke. I also thought it was big because it was the Jared McCain coming out party for the Blue Devils. At least vis like visually. He's had good games already this year, but that was the most visible, right? That was the most all eyes, the bright lights of Madison Square Garden. He hit a couple big threes. He did the flex, right? He he, he looked like the guy that we were promised in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, and he looks like a guy that, you know, has NBA prospects. And it's like you also mentioned, sometimes college basketball teams rely on the success of their freshmen, not to say Duke doesn't have enough talent as it is, but it's going to help when you have guys like Caleb Foster, Jerry McCain, that are not afraid of these big moment games. That's going to go a long way when you get into the ACC tournament. Oh, NCAA tournament. Oh, uh, the reason he said, oh, for those of you listening at home, is because our lights flickered. I always uh, forget that. They, they, <laughs> we still they, they don't also see our lights flicker. He's yeah. like, ooh. Um, well, actually, you know what I'll say about uh, building off of what you just said? 
I also like you never want to say this out loud. I think it was good that Kyle Filipowski got in a little bit of foul trouble because he went out of the game with foul trouble and the Duke lead blossomed and then grew, right? And and it was Jeremy Roach doing a lot of the the decision making. It was Jared McCain making some plays. It was Ryan Young playing very very well. And he, he you know, he his playing time has been fluctuating, Ryan Young's and and him being out there and being a key part of some of those pick and rolls. That's good, right? Sometimes it, it's tempting when you have a wooden award candidate like Flip, like Kyle Filipowski, to just like, hey, game's on the line. Let's throw it in the post. And he was getting his shot blocked a lot last night. A, a lot last night. Um, I think it was Jay Will at halftime was going, can anyone show Kyle Filipowski a head fake? Just one time, just a head fake. Get the guy to jump. Uh, it was Missy uh, just, uh, just going up and he was blocking a ton of shots. Uh, and when Flip is having a day like that, it's good to know that, hey, he gets in foul trouble. He's not working down low. Send him to the bench. These other guys got it, and they had it against one of the best teams in the country. Guys were forced to step up with Filipowski in foul trouble, and then also Tyrese Proctor still uh, injured. even more so. Then yeah. Jeremy Roach just still had an underrated game with 16 points. And he, he's some averaging something like 18 or 19 over his last couple. He's, he's playing really well. Uh, that's number four. Let's get to number three. There's a report, NBC Sports Boston, that the bidding war for Bill Belichick is being set up by Robert Kraft. Billions for Bill Belichick. I get a sneaky, sneaky suspicion that the person, they're actually, (laughs) personal story here. Early in my career, I was paying my dues in a small town in uh in nebraska okay and they have something called you can look this up it's crazy the uh sand hills open road challenge sork s-o-r-c and uh what sork is is it's a race that's just on a road through farmland like it's a it's a road that you know 360 days of the year is just a road that you drive on like i would drive on it to go cover high school games uh but for one weekend a year they block off the road and they just let, like, anyone with a high-powered car race. And they whip. Lamborghinis are brought in. Uh, uh, Ferraris are brought in. A lot of high-powered Corvettes. Mustangs are brought in. Like, Shelbys are brought in. Porsches are brought in. These people come from all over the country and descend on this very small town in Nebraska uh, so they can ride in the Sand Hills Open Road Challenge. 55-mile rally-style rally open road. They have... Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's wild. And I, I did play-by-play for it a couple times, which is basically, and there they go. And then you don't see them the rest of the way. Um, but uh, at the end, I would emcee an event where they auctioned stuff off. And I thought it was it was actually very, very interesting because the auction was to support the event and to keep up all the certifications and everything. And all of these very, very rich car guys really really liked coming to this event because it's it's unusual it's not like anything else they could they could do um so it was all like stuff that was donated would then be auctioned off and that would go towards running the event so i'm up there and at the end of the night they have 20 car batteries just car batteries like the kind that you would put in your minivan right car batteries and they start uh they go all right you're gonna do the bidding and i'm going like ooh, do i get to be the the guy do I, do, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, do I get to go, I've got $50, do I have 60 60 do I have 70 70 70 we got 70 in the corner, do I have 75 75 75 80 and, and they're like, yeah, go nuts. So I'm up there doing my best impression, uh, which turns out my, it's not very good, and I just end up going, does anybody want to 
fit anymore. Going once. But these car batteries, which are worth, I don't know, 70 bucks, right? Are going for thousands and thousands of dollars. And what it turns out is this is what they do at the end of the night, every night. The drinks have been flowing just to get everybody to, it's essentially a donation, right? But, but the funnier part was the people that are there every year, they know the big, big chip stacks, right? They know the guys that got the real money, the guys that pull in multiple Lamborghinis on a on a uh, tractor, right? They, they drive them in, uh, not a tractor, on a trailer, right? They don't even drive them in. They, they tow them in. Like, they know the ones that have the big money, and they just bid them up, right? As soon as one of them goes, like, two grand, they know they're pot committed. They want this one. 2,500, three grand. 3500 four grand, and half of them know they're not going to have to spend it because they're just getting the one big, big uh, chip stacks to spend way more than he would have, and that helps the event. I have a feeling the big chip stacks at this Bill Belichick auction that is going to come that everybody thinks is going to bid way too much and they're all going to laugh at him is David Tepper. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Because... He desperately wants a big splash. He wants to, to fix everything. There's maybe the greatest coach of all time available. All it's going to take is the first-round pick for 2025. And it always feels like with David Tepper, it's all about short-term solution, not long-term I want to win. I want to win now. He's Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. I want it now. You don't even know Willy Wonka, do you? <laughs> you <laughs> child. Have, is you it bad? have you seen Is Willy it bad Wonka? that I just know the Johnny Depp version? That is bad. You don't know the Gene Wilder, <laughs> no, Willy I Wonka? Know, I know it for the meme. The fist up against the head. Anyways, no, you're exactly right. Bill, <laughs> I've just disappointed Tim. David Tepper is such a sucker that I could see him falling for this. A sucker? A gobstopper? An everlasting gobstopper? You don't even know what that is. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries. That's number fizzy lifting drink. That's number three. <laughs> Let's get to number two. Just the two of us. Charlie Bucket. I could keep going. Turning into a blueberry. Oompa Loompas. Oompa Loompa. You know that one for that. I bet you that was in the remake. Florida State called a meeting. They're going to have a meeting tomorrow. Florida State, their board of trustees, is going to have a meeting tomorrow to discuss their future in the uh, ACC. Most reporting out there is that they expect to vote on and approve a legal challenge of the grant of rights in the ACC. I don't know what the president is. Or actually, I know the president. This has never happened before. There is no precedent. There is no instance in the history of college uh Media rights, college athletics media rights deals where somebody thought to legally challenge the validity of a grant of rights agreement. Texas and Oklahoma did not challenge the grant of rights when they left the Big 12 for the SEC. They just waited. None of them ever have. Florida State is reportedly going to go down that path. And I know it's going to be messy, and I know it's going to be expensive, and I know it's going to be be mudslinging, and I know it's going to be not fun for anybody involved. Florida State is getting ready to enter uncharted territory. Uncharted territory, and they're going in with a vengeance. They're going in with, with uh, you know, bad intentions. I don't, th I don't think, right, because 
It's actually kind of interesting. It's very spy movie-like. So the actual grant of rights, you may say, like, how in the world has this thing not leaked, right? How in the world has the grant of rights not not been, you know, it's not in the handbook. You can't go find it on the ACC's website. Uh, all of the, the college football insiders don't have it. There's actually, like, the actual document is at ACC headquarters, and it's not allowed to leave. So, like, the lawyers for Florida State have had to make, like, pilgrimages uh, to – to the grant of rights to read it, to comb through it, to do all of that at ACC headquarters. And reportedly, they've made dozens of, of trips. So they're working hard, looking for a loophole to get out of this thing. And I believe if they they there was one, they would have found it by now. Because I'm sure Florida State's not using the fly-by-night attorneys, right? I'm sure they've got some very well-versed in contractual law attorneys looking through it. And I don't think they've found anything yet. And now they're just going to go to court and say, we want to see it, we want to... We want to get out. I don't think it's going to work, but I will say this. I think they're just going to try to make life so unbearable for everyone in the ACC that the ACC finally says, fine, get out. Give us whatever money you have and get out. We don't want you here. And I hope not, because that, that to me would be the end of kind of the ACC as we know it. They'd start backfilling with more and more teams that that maybe don't deserve to be in the ACC. And the quality and, and level of play in just about every sport would tumble. They're going to be the kid at the other kid's birthday party. It's going to be blowing out said kid's birthday <laughs> candles. Yeah. Ruining it for everybody. So we'll pay attention. We'll report on what, what is leaked about it tomorrow. I'm sure the board of trustees will, will uh, not be tight-lipped with it. Because the last time they had one of these meetings, we got some doozies of quotes from the board of trustees uh that's number two let's go to number one thank you for listening to the best of the drive podcast i'm tim donnelly here with coach pete of capital financial advisory group coach is it still true that a million is enough to retire on tim maybe and maybe not the most important thing is to get a real plan that gives you income you never outlive we'll give that away to the next 10 people call right now The number to call, 800-691-3215. Text TIM to 600-700 if you're interested in texting. Once again, that phone number is 800-691-3215 or text TIM to 600-700 for that deal. Canes play the Penguins tonight. This one is big. Not because the Penguins are a world beater by any stretch. Not because the Penguins or Pittsburgh or anything do anything to really scare me as a Canes fan, but... But it's big because you have to see if they're they're keeping the momentum rolling, right? If you look at last year, okay, because this was used to tamp down my concern early in the season. Because last season when, right, the Canes won their division and, and all these things, and they made it all the way to the conference finals, um, they started slow. They had a couple, like, lose four out of five games early on. They had a couple of – they actually had a five-game losing streak early on last year. But then what happened was they went on some of the reverse streaks, right? They, they went and won 12 of 13 games. They won five straight. They won uh, six of seven a couple times along the way, and, and that's what negated it. If they're going to follow that blueprint, right, if, it's like, if I wasn't supposed to be worried at the beginning of the season when they had their downturns, then you were telling me that some very, very positive streaks were coming. They were on the horizon, right? Just as easily as they could lose four straight, they could win eight straight. Just as easily as they could lose six of seven, they could win six of seven. So so now it's time, right? You made a big win. 
seemed like a turning point, seemed like a focal point. You boat raced the best team in the NHL. It was 6-1 at one point. You gave up a couple of cheapies, 6-3 the final score. You need to give me a streak. You need to. You need to build off it. You need to take those six goals last game and turn it into four goals this game. You take those three goals allowed this game, turn it into two goals allowed this game. Like, you need to build off of it. And you you know who I'm uh, you know I'm looking towards? Oh, captain, my captain? I'm looking towards Stahl. I'm looking towards uh, Martinuk. I'm looking towards Fost. I'm looking towards Aho. I'm looking towards Svech. I'm looking towards Slavin. I'm looking towards Burns. I'm looking towards the guys that have been around. The guys that have seen it all. The guys that know one win doesn't change a season. One good month could turn around a season. One good uh, seven-game, eight-game streak could turn around a season, but one game in and of itself doesn't. Rod Brindamore on the dynamic of the stall line. That stall, Martinuk, and fast or fast line. They are fast, though. Uh, quickie. Um, that make them so great offensively. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just work ethic. I mean, they're three of the hardest working guys in the NHL, in my opinion, and have been their whole career. And you, that, that that solves a lot of issues when you come ready to play and just be hard to play against. And that's pretty much what you get most nights. Preparation, work ethic. That's a night in, night out thing, right? That pass from Foss to Stahl last game, chef's kiss. Beauty, right? Beauty. But the work ethic of it, the veteranship of it, is that, unfortunately, that awesome pass that led to a goal doesn't give you any goals tonight. You got to go do it again. And you got to keep cycling through. And you got to get pucks on net. And you got to get all of it again tonight. It's the beauty of sports. You have a bad game, there's always the next game. But the chemistry and the trust that Stoll has too fast to be able to make that pass cross ice because they've done it so many times in practice, it helps. Oh, absolutely it does. But here's the thing. And here's kind of what I'm getting at with the Canes. Even, like, if that's the right cut, if, if the right move is to, you know, crash in front of the net, is to to get in the creek, whatever it is, whether you trust Foss to make the pass or not, you have to still do your job as hard as possible, right? Like, if it's the right thing to do, you do it. It's It's, you know, you see it with wide receivers all the time, and I'm just going back to my football life, right? If you trust the quarterback to make the pass and put it on the money and you're going to score a touchdown, every wide receiver runs their routes as hard as possible. But when you don't trust the quarterback to make the pass and score the touchdown, you still have to run your route as hard as possible because, you know, maybe this is the time he does make the the throw. Like, everybody on the Canes has to recognize all-out effort is the only kind, the only kind of effort that will help you dig out of this hole. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.